0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Swish Waterlad podcast and I know the episodes haven't been as consistent the last few weeks as I'm flat out with the Tasman market at the moment but stay in the loop through the Waterlad social media for when episodes are coming out and to get all the deals and speaking of deals, boy does our major sponsor Swish have a deal for you, $15 off your Swish order if you use the code lad. and if after all this time you still don't understand what Swish is, well then let me explain Say your mate Jonty loves Bowdoin Barrett. So as a gift, you can give Jonty a personalized video message from Bowdoin Barrett. You write down exactly what you want him to say or give him a general guide. Jonty watches the video and it makes his day. But what the best thing about it all is that up to 70% of the money you spend on that Bowdoin Barrett video will go to Kiwi Kids Charities. It's a very cool platform. All the lads are on it, so click on the link in the bio to go get amongst it. Also, the absolute lad, Regan Todd from the Champion Harness Stable, Todd's Racing, have partnered up with What A Lad, and they have an offer to become a part owner of the hopefully champion horse, What A Lad, who is progressing very nicely. You get all the perks of being a horse owner for the very small cost of $1,000, which covers all the costs until 2025, and by then, hopefully, we'll be swimming in his prize money anyway. But in all, it's a bit of fun, and if you've ever wanted to experience horse ownership, this is the perfect way to start. Also, go follow Todd's Racing on Facebook, and flick me a message if you're keen. Lastly, the lad and the business guru, Tim Bateman, has an opportunity for all Waterlad listeners, so listen up to this. Cheers, Jimmy. Are you looking for an exciting career for life after rugby? My name's Tim Bateman, and I've been a professional rugby player for the last 17 years, My plan for life after rugby was to get into the wellbeing and recovery industry so I built O Studio, New Zealand's largest wellbeing and recovery centre. Despite the challenges of COVID we've seen consistent growth in our business and we've decided to expand O Studio throughout New Zealand and abroad. It's an exciting time for the wellbeing industry and we're looking for top lads to be a part of it by opening your own O Studio. If you're interested head to ostudio.co.nz slash lad to inquire. Back to the show. What a lad, what a lad, what a lad, what a lad. Uh, what a lad. Well, today, all of you What a Lad listeners are in for an absolute treat with one of the biggest lads in the game. He is widely regarded as the Prince of Picton, who has gone on to become a Northland Taniwha legend. And along the way throughout his incredible journey, he has played for teams such as the Tasman Marco, the Melbourne Rebels, and the Mitsubishi Dino Boars. He is one of the absolute greats. It is the great Dan Hawkins. Welcome, lad. Ah. Oh. Good to be here, Jimmy. It's a true honour, and um,
1: thanks for having me, bro.
0: Mate, good to see you again. I'm looking forward to this yarn, but I do want to start with something current, like how good are the Tani Fars going at the moment? You boys are on absolute
1: fire. (laughs) Yeah, the boys boys are going well. Um, We've got a good mixture of experience and um, young lads coming through, and to be honest, it's been a big off-season, probably the biggest since I've been there. Obviously, after last year, we uh, only won one game, so they really put the foot down. We've got new facilities here and whatnot, and um, the boys have been getting stuck in. Like, it's been a lot of commitment from the boys, you know, in, in the off season, and it's starting to pay dividends, I reckon. So, but it's only early days, Jimmy. You know, mm-hmm. you must remain humble, and um, any team can be any team in this comp as well as you know. And um, yeah, but enjoying the ride at the moment.
0: That's it. It is an incredibly close competition, eh? You're, you're right. Every team is pretty much beating every team yeah. at the moment. But I remember talking to Big Red, uh, Tom Robinson, at the I uh, must have been late last year, and he he was really talking up the Tony Far chances. Um, I know the TAB weren't having a bar of it. I think they opened you guys at two hundred and fifty to one at the start of the year, but I'm sure a few of your mates
1: climbed into that. Yeah, well, I think early on we've murdered a few people's Maltese. That's for sure. So. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I'm sure a few boys climbed into it. Hey? We've got a few very faithful fans up here and yeah. it'd be a beautiful thing if we can get the pay for them.
0: Mm, but it, it is always a good culture up there. Like I know everyone talks about how good the Tanifa culture is up there, even when you're losing. So I could imagine how good it is at the moment when things are humming.
1: Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. It is, um, it, it's, it's almost like sometimes we're that close that it it goes against us, you know, we enjoy being at each other's company and we, um, you know, in the past years we might have stayed up a bit late with each other before games and that because we just love <laughs> hanging out with each other and shit, you know. Um, but now it's all starting to pay dividends, I think, and, um, yeah, it's good. Has
0: anything changed with that um, side of things? Or you, Like, I remember even Tom was saying how um, – Probably the lack of professionalism costs them sometimes. Is it still a little bit like that, or has things sort of started to flick a switch there?
1: Oh, bro, it's come a long way since my early days there. Um, <laughs> back when I first started out, you know, yeah, it was um, definitely not as professional as it is now. Yeah. I think we're in a good place now, but, um, you know, when I first got there, we are doing every now and then we would do two day on the bears and a short turnaround, you know, uh, back then, that was a long time ago, but now, you know, um, we want to do anything to win and everyone's bought in. So Tommy's right here. Yeah, I think there's been a massive switch. I don't know if, yeah, I spoke about it before. There's new facilities. Like, um, mm-hmm. we used to be in a meatworks. you know, our gym was pretty humble and, um, well, I didn't mind, but you know, <laughs> the young fellas like a good gym eh, and whatnot. <laughs> and, um, Kinda goes right. You can just walk out into the field and you're into it. So, yeah, everything's sort of coming together. But um, yeah, day by day. Mm, And mate, last
0: time I caught up with you, you were um, sitting on the sideline after a red card. And mate, the same thing again. Um, One of the real grubs of the game. What's that? Two red cards in two years. Talk me through this one.
1: Two red cards in my whole career, Jimmy. (laughs) Um, Oh, it was some unintentional thuggery. Yeah, it was 80 minutes up versus Southland and their big lock got a bit of a break through a hole and I happened to be at fullback and he kind of eyed me up and I kind of eyed him up. And, um, yeah, I'm not looking to get punked on national TV, so I went in hard. He came in hard at me and, unfortunately, I clipped his his chin with my shoulder and um, down he went. But, yeah, as soon as I seen him go floppy, I was was pretty gutted with myself and... um, Mm. Yeah, it's just part uh, it's all part of being a warrior at the end of the day sometimes these things happen. And here's a real good sport, Big Joe. Um shout out to Big Joe from Southland. Chatted to him after the game and he actually said sorry to me about getting uh, a red card and I was like <laughs> I was like, Oh what a gentleman,
0: eh?
1: A Rule number one though, don't eye up big Dan Hawker eh? and say. Oh yeah, but, uh, Yeah, I need to settle down a little bit on that. But um <laughs> Yeah, I need a drop. You know, it would have been a beautiful shot if it was a couple inches lower. Mm. I think so, anyway. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, but you're out for a few weeks now. Yeah, I, I, it's, it was four weeks. I just found out before four weeks, but um, I can lower it by doing a safety, a, a safe tackling course. So hopefully, I learn something of that, Jimmy. <laughs> no more reds, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'll be tackling like a true gentleman, right around the ankles. <laughs> After uh, this safety course. <laughs> oh, and your return is, what, against Tassie in about, what, three weeks? It's versus Tassie. You wouldn't read about it. Right. But, um, oh. yeah, it's a beautiful thing, you know. And Nelson, I think. Or, yeah, Nelson. I was hoping Blenheim, eh? I, I haven't actually played a minor 10 game in Blenheim where, you know, close to Picton where I grew up. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's so in Nelson. Hopefully I'm involved anyway. You know, it's, it's tough to even get in the 23 in the Tunnies at the moment. So, Hopefully I can get back in there and bring a bit of energy.
0: The depth, mate, a caged up Dan Hawkins is a scary sight for the Tasman Marco fans, that's for sure.
1: Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nipping at the bit. I I'll tell you that. But uh.
0: If they were gonna move one game to Picton, that was probably the one, the return of the
1: prince. Well they might have forgotten me in Picton by now, to be fair. It's been it's been a, been a while where they used to hang a few tunnies flags around and picky, but um, those days might be over, eh? <laughs> I'd love a game down the domain there. Uh, don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah, mate, how good would that be? But 12 years ago since your Tazzy debut, mate, it was such a long time ago, eh, when you look at it like that, but you're still only 31. Mate, how's your body holding up? Is, it, is your body sweet? Played a lot of footy. I
1: mean, yeah, no, nah, the body feels real good at the moment. Um, I've had a, Yeah, I've had it. It's gone through the ringer a little bit. I've had spinal surgery and um, also snapped my, my tib and fib um, in a game, there's Taranaki. I actually that was my fault too. Uh, the, the ball kind of bounced up, and um, one of the Naki boys hit it pretty hard, and I stuck my my leg out to foot trip him. And you know those farm boys have got those hard bones. <laughs> yeah, and he just ran straight through my bone. I looked down. And I was just flopping by some skin. I was like, oh, street. <laughs> so um, yeah, I had that, and then I had a sh- shoulder surgery. So three surgery. It's pretty um, standard for a, for a guy that's been playing for a while. I, you know, you've had a few yourself, Jimmy. Yeah. What did you do to your back? Um. Oh, bro, Many a year ago. Oh, this is where I pinpoint where it started. I fell off a ledge when I was over in England. It was quite slippery, and um, I, I slipped off this ledge. I had a couple too by then. It was <laughs> a couple quiets behind me, but I slipped off this ledge, but It was quite high, and I hit it like on my tailbone. I landed on it, and at the time, I jumped straight back up. I was like, Yeah. You know, I, I was pretty um. Yeah, I was nice and warm from the liquor and um got straight back up but yeah later on uh i started having big trouble with my hammies and whatnot and it was actually candy when i got back to tasman candy yeah uh, bless her the old um, physio there yeah she gave she clicked me a bit and stuff and um my hammies come right and stuff but i feel like that's where it started anyway as my career kind of went on and at, at the Melbourne Rebels was where it really, um, started to, to hurt me, um, I was living with Reese Hodge, actually, I had to put my socks on in the morning, it was getting that bad, bro, it was in a very bad way, It's probably the worst injury I've ever had, yeah. mentally as well, because it was creeping into my day-to-day shit, you know, you'd wake up and, um, you'd be like, oh, what's the bat gonna be like today? Uh, and, uh, stuff, yeah, right. yeah, eventually bro, I had to get surgery on it, um, because my leg was getting numb and whatnot, and, uh. But best thing I ever did getting it sorted because it feels good now and yeah.
0: So talk to me about that ledge. How high was it? What, like one story <laughs> up and oh. how did you just how did you fall off it?
1: Well, I, oh, I felt like I got hit by a bus. Uh, it, it was pretty <laughs> high. It was pretty high, but it was probably like I don't know, like a, maybe off a roof of a house sort of thing. Yeah, true. Far out.
0: Onto concrete,
1: like yeah, I wasn't real high, but yeah, it was onto a concrete. It was onto a solid landing, and, <laughs> and like at the time, I bounced up, but <laughs> yeah.
0: And was that just like a trip, or were you trying some tsunami skins move?
1: Oh I, was, oh, I don't even know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, we were. I think yeah, we were outside of some pub, and things had finished up, and. I honestly can't remember, bro. We might have been running straight at each other at that stage. I'm not sure. I actually can't remember, but I slipped up. And um, that's where I pinpoint it back to. I, I could be wrong. Mate, I, I believe you. That that would probably wreck you back
0: doing that. So <laughs> that's probably where it all started. But yeah. I'm keen to hear about the rest of your um, forty career, but I want to start at the start um, growing up. I, I know the urban sort of legend is that you grew up living on a boat. How true is that one?
1: who told you that uh it is true though it is true is it Um, yeah nah yeah yeah if i go back to the the start when i first moved to picton uh yeah i kind of had the choice to go with my mum or dad when we lived in christchurch and i went with my old man and we went up to picton and yeah um he's a rugged customer at the best of times my old man and um we ended up living on a boat for quite some time and uh yeah, it was a it was a great place to grow up because there's there's many a character and um there's many a bizarre individual I guess you could say and a lot just a lot of legends and whatnot at the time and um yeah. at, at the time it was one of those places when you were fifteen you could get into the nightclubs and yeah. um oh there's all sorts of skullduggery going on but <laughs> there's still that community feel to it you know Jim yeah yeah so um yeah and then obviously. Went to school there and we had a only a small school of three hundred or so, but we had a good first fifteen at the time. So um, and still boys that I love to this day, we uh, we went well in that um, in our own little comp there. Mm. There was some little bit of temptation to maybe go to a bigger school like Marlborough Boys or um, maybe Nelson or whatnot, but it's not really my style. I'd I, I never really want to sell out on my boys there, and um, mm. so I stayed strong at Queen Charlotte, and it was a good decision because. Yeah, I learnt a lot and enjoyed myself there. And then uh, went on to Waitaui, obviously, and uh, had a had a good good first out-of-school season um, and made Tasman as an 18-year-old in the Marcos and um, got to play with some of my heroes like yourself to me <laughs> and Robbie and, and Tommy Marshall. and um, I, To be honest, bro, I, I think looking back, I, I was way too green for that level of footy. You know, I didn't really... I really gone the play club footy kind of didn't know much about structure at the next level and I was kind of playing off instincts at that stage and um when I got into the the Tassie team you know uh, professional footy is a level up with structure wise and whatnot especially being a 10 and uh, I think another thing was just being from a small town and and whatnot and for me, being a ten, having to order around dudes like Chris Jack, and Yeah. like I'm like, how am I meant to tell that dude what to do? You know, he, yeah. he's, he's a legend, and it took me a long time to to get my head around that. And I guess another thing was, I was going through quite a bad court case on the other side of things off, off field. I got myself into a little bit of trouble. I was defending a mate. My friend got attacked with a baseball bat, and um a couple was jumped in, and it was a really short short affair, and it was over. But uh he happened to get quite hurt the guy that attacked my friend and um yeah it, it opened up a big saga off field for me and um it was quite looking back like um yeah it was, it was a lot of a lot of my shoulders as a young dude especially how much I wanted to crack it in footy as well mm. had two things sort of going on so I was at training in Nelson I don't think I told many of the boys or nothing, but. And then I'd shoot back to Blenheim and go to the courthouse. <laughs> right, and, um, right. I can have a laugh about it now because yeah. um, it was pretty scary at the time. I've got to say, it was um, some heavy charges in it. And we, it ended up dragging on for a year and a half. And, right. um, and it went to a jury trial and whatnot. And it was scary. But looking back now, I can laugh. We obviously got found not guilty on self-defense um the the whole time like it was was self-defense and it was just yeah I don't know how it really got to that stage but um looking back now there there was some funny times like uh now I can laugh about it like um (laughs) got one time we went back so I got this um the scholarship to go do you know remember reunion that rugby show that TJ used to run oh yeah 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 Yeah, on that show there was um they were giving away a scholarship to go to their irans academy oh yeah up north and um yeah and i I won it because tj was a bit of a Picton dude i don't know if it was a bit of a a setup or not (laughs) but he kind of chose me to do it because he he, i think he's from havelock maybe or just out of Picton. um so i think he was trying to help a young fellow out and i won this scholarship anyway at the time uh, this is actually before tassie just before i got into tassie but um I was still on in trouble with this stuff, and uh, I had to go to court to be able to go there. I had to get off my curfew to be able to go up oh, yeah. to this Iran. So I had to go into court, and it was funny, very like I had this like lawyer, he, he, you know, he's a battle-hardened lawyer and stuff. And um, we went into the, the courtroom to try to get off a week off this curfew so I could go up north. And um, this female judge comes out, and um, man, she was in a mood; eh? she was scary, and uh, she was like, nah, I don't like." The the lawyer said whatever Like I want Dan to get off So he can go up north And pursue his rugby career And whatnot." And she's like uh, (laughs) She's like Nah I don't see why He should be able to go anywhere Right rah." And um, he sort of said his thing And then the police actually said Nah Like we want him to go To this This IRANs course And um, so the judge finally said Okay I'm going to I'm going to let him go And um, anyway I walked back out (laughs) And And this lawyer comes out, he's, he's just talked to the judge in there, and he, he's come out and he's sweating. I'm like, comes out, he's like, bro, did, did you, he's like, did you see her? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I was like, why are you sweating? And he he reckons he was, um... He's like, I've just spent thirty minutes uh, ducking estrogen bombs, here. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, don't you mess that up because that chick was crazy. And I was like, all right, all right. But he's like a battle-hardened lawyer and he's sweating bullets. I was like, man, this chick, this chick wasn't messing around. So, um, yeah. And then ended up going up to Iran to the academy and um for a week I think it was, and it was good, it was good fun. And a wee story about that one was uh, we we're doing um. They were videoing us sprinting, and um, this, well, I did my sprint, and I was like, oh, sweet. I got a bit of a funny running style at the best of times. I kind of scuttle, um, like crab a little bit. But um, the fellow who was videoing it, he was like, oh, Dan, do you reckon I could use your your video to show the boys? And I, I was sitting there thinking, yeah, 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 like. I think I thought he must have thought I looked good in full stride or like, flawless <laughs> technique was saying. Whips it up on the big screen, he's like, Boys, this is how we don't wanna run. Look at this. And I was like, Oh like he didn't tell me he just put me out there and he's like that's how we don't wanna do it, but um I, I could see the funny side of it, bro. Always have seen the funny side of it in that. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day I'm still here playing. I don't know how many of those boys are still going, so 100. yeah, oh, the last laugh, Jimmy. Mate. So much
0: that you've gone through because uh, you were what 18 years old playing for Tasman, this massive court case on your shoulders. Geez, that, that must have been a tough time,
1: yeah. It really was, bro. Like, I can laugh about it now, but um, at the time it was scary, and because um, there's a real chance of maybe going to jail or whatever, but um, I had to kind of try to prepare myself for that, and then I was also, you know, um, trying to. Cracker and professional footy, and um, I mm. think for any of the young, I think that time trying to get into to minor ten cup, especially if you, you haven't been through an under twenties program and stuff, if you're yeah. from club, unheard of, eh? That's quite that's quite um, stressful because you know that's your shot, and um, and you're mm. kind of working, you know, you're doing all this other stuff, and you finally get a crack, and um, you want to make the most of it, and um, for me, I didn't, bro. I, I my time at Tassie I, I was just too raw, and I had that stuff going on, and I wasn't good enough at the time. So, unfortunately, the next year I didn't get back in, and um, rightly so too, in my opinion. Um, but you know, these are the uh, trials and tribulations of life, Ajum. Eh, How was that to deal with? It, w- it was hard. It was real hard because um, mm-hmm. you know, I you know, I really professional footy was a big big goal for me, and um, I felt like I failed at the start. And you know, I was I was like, well, maybe this is it. But then time kept going and I got hungry again and um actually in between that time between my time at Tasman and coming up to Northland, um, Kieran Kane, the coach of uh you know, obviously KK yeah. we were together on the same team. What was that thing you used to say right when there was um if you did something bad, was it a chop-your-cock-off offence? Cut-your-cock-off, yeah. cut Mate, i got a few fences. of those. Yeah. Oh, I, I did one too many cut-your-cock-off <laughs> offences and didn't get back in. But I'll tell you that. But anyway, KK actually invited me up to – because he's a Picton man as well, and I think he had a bit of a soft spot for me. Mm. And um, he actually invited me up to his house in Picton. Beautiful house too, overlooking the the bay and that. And um. It was, it was I, I think it was an intervention. That's the way it, it seemed anyway. And I went up there and um had a bit of a drink with him and I walked in and he's like, Danny Hawkins, what the fuck are we gonna do with you? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like I was like, I wasn't like, gonna go good. He's like at this time I was kinda of s I was like I was in a bit of a I was bro, I was in a little bit of a lull, uh staying on my mate's couch and whatnot. And he must have heard about it and got me up there. And he goes, gets me in anyway. And he's like, Danny, Dan Hawkins, you remind me of me as a young fella. And I was like, oh, here we go. And he goes, I don't even know if I can say it. um, He's like, when I was your age, I was sleeping on the couch just like you. And um, he's like, when I was 18, I actually... um, Tried to beat the shit out of my dad, and I was like, well, "I was like, what?" He's like, "Yeah, I see a lot of pent up anger in you," and I was like, oh, "Okay, I don't know about that." But um, and, and the yarns went on, bro. The yarns went on. I can't even get into a lot of them, but um, it, I, I like it was from a place of love, you know, that he, that he took me up there. But at the same time, when he was spoke to me, I knew my time at Tasman was done, um, because he was still the coach at that time, and. I, I think it's an important thing Mm. as a player to be able to read when your your time might be done and read. Because it's a business, we we know this, and um, uh, that's when I felt, okay, I've got to move on. Like I could play wicket at club or whatever, and I I don't think I'm going to be an option for them anymore. So when that happened, um, my my mind kind of said, well, maybe I have to move on somewhere. So yeah. And how did the Northland gig come up? That's that's the story in itself too. So like just around that time when KK gave me the intervention, um, there was a Mulber vs Nelson game. There was like the trial for Tasman, yeah. the Marcos. Yeah. And um so that was a big game and there was a fellow that came from Auckland, I won't say his name, but he wanted to get first five as well when he was on the Mulber team. And he wanted to make Tasman and whatnot. And um we were both on the same team and the Marlborough coach ended up putting him at second five and me at first five yeah and he was actually at first five and he um I think he was pretty pissed off about that and um we kind of went into the trainings and stuff with Marlborough and like I felt like a line out would go in like I'd call a move or whatever a set and um the line out would go in and like would be coming off the top of the line out and he'd like change the move on me or do some weird shit and um you know, my skullduggery radar was going off real quick. Like, I felt like he was trying to like make me look bad. Like, yeah. maybe I was like thinking into it too much. But, anyways, it, it happened quite a bit in in the lead up to this game. And, um, like, I was like, oh, enough's enough. I gotta like nip this at the bud. And I had to have a chat to him. I was like, bro, like, what's going on here? Are you trying to like make me look bad because you're trying to you want to be first five for Tezzi mm. as well, or whatever and he's like oh no 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 right here and he goes and then he started to get real nice to me he goes I've actually got the name of an agent I, I'll give you like a good word to the agent and um and listen and that and I was like oh cool and then we actually made good friends and we're, we're all good now and um and this agent ends up ringing me anyway and this guy because this guy's given me a good word and he's like uh oh, Dan right, like right here I'd like to take you on and I was like awesome like and he's a good mate to this day that my agent, uh, Ben Boyle, from Orbit Management, he's, he's a good fellow. And um, he, he said, like, All right, like Dan, there's a, there's a spot, actually, I think Ash Mawiki had just left Northland. Oh, yeah. And he's like, there might be an opportunity there for you um, if you're interested. And at that time, going to Northland never really crossed my mind. Um, I'd only really seen it on the, the weather map when it's always got the little sun icon on it. <laughs> But in saying that, David Hole was always one of my favourite players, and um, it just felt right to go there. I don't know what it was, but something just told me go, and I went, and it worked out well, I think. And I think Banksy was at that time trying to get into Tassie as well, yeah. And so Banksy ended up getting in, and obviously the legend goes on, you know (laughs) how legendary is that man. (laughs) So it went, it it worked out for all parties, you know.
0: Yeah, good. Was Howell up there when you were there
1: when you arrived? Ah, uh, he he's finished his career, but he still lives up here, and he's um, oh, yeah. he's on a farm, and, and um, yeah, I chat with him quite often. You know, he's had a lot lot to do with me, and um, he's a real good, like yeah, he's just a he's a hard man, and he's yeah, he's good to have a chat to. You know, if when times are tough or times are good, he's got plenty yeah. of good yarns.
0: Mate, so many similarities yeah. in your games. <laughs>
1: It's, it's some people have said that, and it's an honour to even be, you know, mentioned in the same sentence as the man. You know, um, yeah, it's it's cool. You know, especially as a guy that I, I loved as a young fella. Mm. And, you know, now we're mates, and I'm I'm I've been in his jersey. You know, so it's cool,
0: mate. How good's that? And talk to me about when you first got up to Northland. How did you find it? Obviously, like you said, coming from Picton
1: up to the far north. How was it? Yeah, it was actually. Um, it's probably a perfect match, picked in a Northland, um, in, in a lot of ways, uh, I actually really thrived up here. When I, I first got to the airport, and I didn't really, you know, I was on a whim, and um, a fella arrived at the airport looking for me, and he had like bailing twine as his um, as his belt. And he's like, oh, it's old, old fella, and he's like, oh, are you Dan Hawkins? He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, are you with me? And he um, he took me to a place called Kawalker, It's kind of as south of Whangarei. Probably about forty minutes south of Whangarei, and um, it's kind of farmland. This is the club I played for when I first got here, because I only came up here. There was no contract or nothing. You know, I had to earn it. I come up here to try earn a contract, and um, he took me out to his farm. It was on this long dirt road and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, you know, this um, it's it's not the greatest place in the world, but we'll have you out here for a few days, and um, we'll find you something better in town." He's like, really downplaying his house and stuff, and I was like, oh, no, I'm sweet, you know, I've lived on a boat, as you said, <laughs> um, you know, so I can live anywhere sort of thing. And uh, he took me out there, <laughs> and it was, like, an 1800s um, historical house, and he hasn't done anything to it, so the walls are paper-thin. And... But I was awesome, remember, I was on, like, a, a river, the, the Kuiper River, so it's, like, overlooks the river, but it's a real old-school house, and he kind of, we kind of only ate. True. Sure meat from what he killed on the farm, we didn't really go to the supermarket or nothing, like eggs from the the chickens and whatnot, and um, anyway, I was out there for a few days, and he's like, oh, we'll find you that spot in town, righty-right, and um, I was like, oh, i actually quite like here, do you mind if I stay, (laughs) and he said, oh, he's like real surprised, and um, I was like, I'd like to stay, I love it here, because we got on real well, his son lived there too, he was a good fella, and um, we started getting a bit of a routine, he was like, sweet, yeah, you can stay. And um, we started getting a bit of a routine going. Like I'd run the driveway, and um, they'd do a bit of farm work. Then we'd come back and we'd come back into the house for a, for a nui. <laughs> we drank a lot of nui, that's for sure. <laughs> a heap of Nui. And he's like, he's just an old school character, bro. And he's like, he's like um, he's like a father to me up here to this day. You know, we're, we're still good friends. And I always go out to that same house all the time. Yeah. So I live up Whangarei now. But I always go out there, and um, yeah, it's just he's, yeah, he's always had my back, and he's, he's one of the legends, you know. Um, Man, yeah, that's it's so cool and such a humble pad. It was, it was Brad. And, and for example, like it was, he would one night I woke up and it was like a shotgun bullet went off, and like, I was like woke up pretty startled, and I got up and went outside to the veranda, and he um. He was out there with his shotgun, and he's just shot a possum that was keeping him awake. And he had those, like, mongrel farm socks on and those, you know, those, um, those V-cut undies you get from Kmart with the shaggy <laughs> ass. He had those on with a shotgun. I was like, what are you doing, Trev? And he was like, he's like oh, this bloody possum was keeping me up. And this possum got blown to bits. Like, <laughs> just shit, like, blood everywhere. I was like, oh, this dude's a ledge, you know. I loved it. And um, I ended up staying there for, like, probably two years. True. And, um, yeah. I didn't go to town for like three months. I never went to Whangarei, the actual city up north, for probably three months before it, once I got there. Um, but it was a wicked way. I felt really comfortable. I think it was a big thing for me. I felt comfortable out there. And um, it was like that, that zone I could go once I made like the Northland wider squad and that. I could go to training up there. And, you know, that was pretty, you know, it was full on. And then I could come back out there and I was comfortable and it was just quiet and. I could relax and just, yeah, chill out. Chill out with the but, chanui, uh, how good. Yeah, chill out with a chanui every time.
0: So then your form obviously yeah. was good enough to then make the Northland squad. Was that just from club form?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was just purely from um, club footy. I did, I went went right when I first got up and played some good club footy. Actually, the funny thing is the first game club was versus David Howell. Was um, it? True. Which, yeah, which was a huge honour, you know, and, um, yeah I went alright And anyway I got signed for a couple of years And Obviously had to move up to Whangarei and whatnot, And um, Yeah and it started from there really And I was living with uh, Dan Pryor Yeah It was just Dan and Fidia, Another fellow Fidia. So I moved in with them And Dan really You know he looked after me well And um, he's, he's, a, he's a very good mate to this day um, Kind of So I got on the squad And Ben Seymour Another super rugby player He was the other team here and he was a good player himself, so he was kind of like the marquee dude, and I was just in behind learning and whatnot, and um, we had a few games and stuff, I think, and um, I don't know if Benny got injured or I don't know what happened, but anyway, Dan, Dan Pryor, he had a bit of uh, quite a bit of power, you know, he was quite well respected, and he, um, he was in the leadership group, and he kind of said to the coaches... Um, like oh, you should just give this battler a bit of a chance. He's like, I know he runs funny and kicks funny <laughs> and shit. But you should give him a shot. He's got a bit of heart or whatever. This is what he told me. He said anyway. But um, anyways, yeah. So when he came out that day, probably about four games into the season, and um, he came out and he said, he's like, oh, you've got your sh- you've got your shot. Don't blow it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're starting. I was like, oh, Wicked So you know, I probably owed Dan it got me my first start. And, um, yeah, then it was Hawks Bay was my first start. And it was a weird one. It was just um, everything just felt real good and just really calm and confident, bro. And uh, I I can hardly remember the game. It went really well. Like, it was weird. It was, like, almost in a bit of a, like, a flow state or something. Um,
0: That's the dream.
1: Everything come (laughs) off, you know. Yeah, you know, when, like, every kick bounced like this far, like, bounced out like, perfectly, and I think I dropped in the pocket for a quick drop goal, and oh. um, everything was going right, bro, and then, yeah, I ended up starting for the rest of the season, and, yeah, from then on, yeah, been there for 70 games now, I think, so.
0: So what was the biggest switch from your time with Tasman to, your, you know, your first game with Northland? Was that just time and experience that made you feel that comfortable and be able to get into that state?
1: I don't yeah, I've always thought about that. I think I was definitely far too green as when i was at tasman i was 18 and i was playing for my team waitui but we we didn't really play much structure like i was just playing off instincts and then yeah some reason i felt really like comfortable when i come up north i was a bit older and um honestly i think guys like dan dan Pryor, he's a real relaxed dude and obviously uh rooster ranger he took me under his wing pretty early and um you know, like you know, he's sparking up a ciggy right before training, and um, that made me feel pretty calm. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, that, that for some reason that made me feel real just relaxed and whatnot. So um, I don't know. I think it was just being older, and um, mm-hmm. because every team I've been in, there's been legends there, eh? and um, I think yeah, that was the main thing. Just being older, and as a 10, I feel you gotta you gotta earn the trust from them and the. You got to earn their respect. I don't, you probably feel the same, Jimmy. And um, at Tasman, I, even though the boys they were awesome to me, I never felt on field I earned their their respect really. Mm. But up north, I I felt like I got their, the boys' respect, and I felt like um, once I got that, I was away. Mm. It's funny how it works because I was pretty much the same player, just a bit older and a bit more wiser, I guess. But it's that switch, I don't know, it's just that you can feel when the boys respect you, they they, they trust you to lead them. Yeah. I think that's the main thing and I could feel they trusted me to lead them around the field and, you know, so. 100%.
0: Yeah. Mate. That confidence, hey, that confidence as a tense so key and to get that sort of support from a couple of those senior guys oh, makes such a big difference. They just sort of lets you know that you're doing the right thing and that, the main guys, the key guys, have got your back, so um, you can just sort of go out there and yeah. call what you want. But like you say, like when when the team doesn't quite trust you, you don't feel like they trust you, mate. It's yeah. it's a tough gig.
1: It is, it is, and, it, and it's hard to shake. You know, you can shake it, I reckon, but um, mm-hmm. you know, in your head, when when you got their trust or you don't, yeah, and, um, yeah. So
0: and one thing you had to do throughout your career is sort of juggle because you're semi-pro, like your whole. Career this up until this time, eh? You were juggling work um, with footy. How did you find that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like at the start, if I go right back to Tassie when I was juggling both. Um, I was working at the Meatworks and on the slaughter floor. And, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was some big days and whatnot. But um, no, it was all good. I enjoyed it, and but they were just long days. That's why. I think that, that beginning bit, when you're first trying to crack of 10, it's probably probably the toughest for a lot of guys because, man, you've got a lot on, you know, you've got, you got work, then you've got to go to training, and then you've got gym and whatnot, and, um, and then you just got the pressure of trying to make it, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I juggled it all right, and then as my career went on, I went to Japan for a few years and went to mm. the Melbourne Rebels and stuff, so I kind of went fully professional, but... Um, I haven't minded, I quite like the, the actual going back to work side of it as well, I, I don't mind it, you know, but um, I think, yeah, it, it can be a struggle, and a lot of the young guys coming through, you know, I, I realise it can be a struggle, and I I, like, I take a real bit of pride now in trying to help them, you know, and um, yeah, I know what it's like.
0: Talk me through working on the
1: slaughter um, floor,
0: <laughs> whatever it was, how brutal was that?
1: yeah. Uh, yeah well, Oh, the first day you know, we, when you turn up because there's a lot of rugby boys in this like it was kind of a bit of a hookup through rugby yeah. um and there's a lot of boys from opposing clubs and stuff and like you walk in and there's blood everywhere and then like there's the boys up high on the where the cow first goes up on the chains and they're like when, when a new person comes in they smash their knife on the thing they're like they say some shit some kind of chant and it's quite intimidating, eh? You roll in there, there's just blood everywhere, and these big mongrels with knives just smashing on the thing. And I was like, but luckily, I, I knew I knew a lot of them, you know, and I played versus them, and um, actually bet a lot of them, so yeah, I, I could walk in there with my head held high, you know. So it wasn't too bad in that regards. But then, um, your first job there, I was just um, your first job is just pushing blood into the drain with a with a like a squeegee, yeah. So that was my first job there, just doing that. And then you work your way up. And then I ended up working my way up to the gut buggies. (laughs) What an honor, to the (laughs) gut buggies. What do you uh, do there? (laughs) So there's like four, there's four buggies and the carcass comes around the cow and it's been, a bit of the skin's been taken off in there. And this guy comes with a knife and slits it right down the gut and all the gut comes out and it falls on this little silver buggy. And like my job, there's four of us and you had to dissect the the gut so you take the kidneys the spleen all that stuff off because they use everything and but you got to dissect it without cutting the actual gut and contaminating it so there's a bit of an art to it but got to write it at the end but um there's all sorts of creepy shit going on there bro like (laughs) we'd go down the line because some of the cows are pregnant and you know there'd be little fetuses in there and dudes would pull them out and it's just fucking weird but (laughs) that's kind of it's just blood and that kind of sort of stuff and it was just a good group of lads, though. Um, and it, but it is—it's quite confronting, especially mm-hmm. um, like it's not very nice seeing animals. You know, they—they they, the cows fall out and they land on a stun table, and then because it was um, halal, so the guy who kills the cows he had to pray. That was all blessed. All oh, yeah. it's quite interesting how it all happens, but within like 45 minutes, the whole cow's box, like every part's pretty much used and it's all in a box and stored away. So, yeah, it's, it was it was, a good, it was a good job. It was all right. Yeah, it was just gory, man. It's <laughs> some weird dreams to start with.
0: <laughs> Better you than me, mate. I would struggle yeah. on that one. I don't think I'd last a day.
1: But... Yeah, it's not for everyone, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> but up in Northland, you, you did mention like you're, you're juggling your work uh, and footy, and then you get the opportunity to go fully professional, like you said with the Rebels. How did this opportunity come about?
1: Yeah, um, I think it was after my second year with Northland, two uh, we fourteen. Had, we had a pretty good season, and um, I played fairly well. And um, yeah, uh, the Rebels sort of came calling. I got a call from my agent saying the Rebels are interested, and very quickly they were, They said, "Yeah, they'll take me." and so that was that was massive and an opportunity that i look forward to um melbourne is actually where my mum's from and it's probably where i become a little um glisten in her eye you know right. my it's where my mum and dad met and so it's kind of a little my dad's actually played club footy there back in the day so it was a little connection there so it kind of felt like it was meant to be and um now it was cool i went there and um the boys there were primo like uh, top lads as you'd say jimmy and um it was just unfortunate, I was really struggling with my back before I went there, and I was in a bad way by the time I got there, and um, yeah, something I'll probably never know how, you know, you kind of need to start to see how you'd go, um, mm. but it my back, it was just one training, my back was getting that bad that my leg was going numb, so my, the doc said like, go see a surgeon, righty Um so I did that, and then the, yeah, he said like you got to get surgery, and I think I played three games for them, um, just bits and pieces. Like you know, you'd hardly even I'd hardly even call myself a real um, Melbourne Rebel to be honest. But I guess I played a couple games, but um, mm. yeah, then I got that surgery, and um, it was it was really it was just it was just nice to get my back right. Um, mm. The surgeon said he it took he had to take an extra half an hour to, to bore a hole around the nerve because it was so like tight on my nerve because I during the preseason with the Rebels I had a good preseason and but I could feel my kicking like the the meters on my kick were going down um, just all those sort of things yeah. like I wasn't moving very well but at the same time it was an opportunity to play Super Footy and I was trying to I was trying to man it out mm. and um, it was a big preseason over there. Um, it was pretty physical and stuff, and you know when you're not one of the big dogs, you're on the pads, and yeah. you know you're, you're you're getting smashed day in day out, and um, probably didn't help that I was sleeping on an airbed as well. But, um, <laughs> Why were you on an airbed?
0: <laughs> you mentioned you were living with Hodgy.
1: Yeah, I was living with Hodgy because it's quite hard to find accommodation there, and um, well, you can, but it's quite expensive in that. And Hodgie had this little um, yeah. little office there, like a little computer office. It didn't even have a door. It just had a little, uh, like curtain and it could fit. it could fit a bed in there. And I was like, oh, I'll just chuck an airbed bed down. I chucked it down. And then I had, it was tiny very. but I had this like, cause we got like a living allowance and, um, I bought this with the living allowance. I bought the 60 inch TV and it pretty much took up the whole room. So I had an air bed and just the TV. It was like a cinema. It was, it was wicked. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, uh, it was cool. And, um, It was a good time there, but um, obviously everything happens for a reason. And my back, once my back went, it was a long road to recovery. But funny, a funny story is that I come back to New Zealand, and um, I always give out my gear, you know, all the Rebels kit and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I went, I gave some this shirt, this Rebel shirt, to my mate. And uh, anyway, I come back to his house one time, and his dad, his dad rolls in with it, and um, it's like this Melbourne Rebels shirt, and he's got it on. But he's ripped all the sponsorship off and stuff. So it just says Rebels. And I was like, oh, like, Rob, what's what's the go with that? Um, Why do you take the sponsorship and stuff off? And he's like, oh no no it's just it's been a good shirt it goes real uh, well down to the um, clubhouse because he's in the Rebels motorcycle gang
0: oh yeah <laughs> the,
1: the, you know the, so he's like taking this it's got pink on it and shit and he's taking like all the sponsorship off and it just says Rebels and he's like riffing it at the uh, the gang house at the Rebels pad eh? I was like it's got pink on it bro and he's like "Ah, oh, it doesn't matter bro it's all good and I was like yeah, yeah, fair play I was like oh, I was having a laugh about it though I was, like,
0: oh. <laughs> good stuff and what what was different with the rebels over there like how did they do things differently what were the lads like
1: um the lads were cool bro it was like um when I first got there I was like they must like almost already knew me like there was Mikey Harris and oh, yeah. Tom English Laurie Weeks uh Sean McMahon and um yeah there was just that was like I was real surprised there because um i talking to the, like Kiwi boys before I went there they were like some of them were like, "Well, rugby's like a real private school, boy thing in Australia. Mm. Like, um, it was that kind of scene." And I was like, "Oh, well. I went there, and and they were just the coolest dudes. They like they looked after me real well, and um, I still chat to them to this day. Mm. And we had a lot of fun, and yeah, and Tarmody Allison was there. Tams, right. and um, that's a dude, that's a dude. You know, he's he's one of my heroes. You know, there's, there's something about him. He's got a lot of mana to him, and." Um, I always catch up with him now and then. When he's, well, I actually caught up with him a couple of weeks back when we played Wellington. Yeah, and uh, it's cool to see him and yourself doing so well in the coaching ranks, and um, you're going doing the coaching thing now. So,
0: so yeah. how long was your rehab from your back? And is that why you didn't get recontracted?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't really get a chance to yeah. put my f- foot forward in that. It's probably rehab. To be honest, like it. Took a very long time to come fully, right? But probably like eight months before I could play. So I I signed back with Northland and come home and um, I had to pass a a medical and I got back and we had to do like a return to play sort of thing. Mm. It was still pretty sore and this like the physio, he's quite a skinny dude back then and um, I had to do some tackles with him and he would tackle me, you know, to get back into contact. And um, we did that and – I, after that that night, I had to crawl to bed. Like I was in such a bad way, and it was just a physio. You know, it was just a, he wasn't a professional footy player, put it that way. That it was going to hit me. So I actually had thoughts of hanging them up for a little bit, just maybe for a year or mm. maybe for good because I was my back was in such a bad way. And um, but eventually, like because I was meant to pass. Lucky I knew the physio he's a good mate, and he um he kind of said to them, "Look, give me some time." I can get him right because I had to pass the physical to get the contract. Mm. He's like, give me some time and um, pretty much pushed it right to the last second and one one morning I just woke up and I could like touch my toes again and I was just, it just freed up. It was just real weird and, and it kind of come right. So I don't know what it was but, yeah, it, was, it just come right one day. Like not fully right but good enough to play and um, I made a successful return to play so it was good. And then off to Japan. Yeah, 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 There was, um, got a call from the coach of the Dinobores, who's a good mate of mine, George, he was, a, he was actually the Northland coach as well, so he, oh, yeah. then he went to Japan, and um, their first five there, he had, had too many concussions, and he, they um, just needed a short-term replacement just for, I think it was four games, and yeah, I, I jumped at the chance, um, and went over there, and Went all right. Yeah, it went pretty well and got re-signed. Then we had another season. So, like, for the Mitsubishi Dynabos, like you, you played second of two for a bit, eh, Jimmy?
0: Yeah, I remember playing, it actually, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did, eh? And, um, but for Mitsubishi, they really – it was their dream to get to the, the top league. You know, that was – I didn't think they'd done it in, like, I can't remember how many years. Because I remember when I first turned up, Mikey Little was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he said to me, like, bro, if, if, if you – help us get to top league they'll build a statue of you or something like <laughs> <laughs> uh, <I'm> sure. true <laughs> anyway so like the season goes on we had some cool foreigners like like Mikey Little and um Matty Vianga some great great players from New Zealand yeah and um anyway we end up playing and we get to the you know the promotion rele- relegation game where determines whether you go up or not you play I think the the top teams and the the top four teams in the second div play the bottom four teams and the mm-hmm. the top league to get get up eh? there and how it works. And um, we had a game. I think we we're playing Twitter shock you are saying, and it was like I, I knew I was hearing whispers about um, the Dynaboyz were going to sign a big name ten for the next year. So um, and I think it, it was Colin Slade, and I heard like I was hearing whispers, so I knew. But I knew that I had to have a big game to stay around, and I just knew the Japanese people—they kind of reward people that do good for them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And um, so I kind of knew this game it was all or nothing. And um, if I, like, I felt if I played well and we won, they might resign me and mm-hmm. take us both on. Um, so yeah, like there was, was a lot. There was a lot of pressure, but. Um, anyway, the game went on, and I, I had like one of the best games of my life, oh, you know. So, back um, and into we ended flow winning. state, <laughs> back in that flow state, Jimmy. You know, it only happens once in a blue moon, but um, yeah, it happened in a few crucial times, huge, I guess you could say. Um, huge moment, and anyway, we we won it, yeah, and we won it. And um, and Ishii, the, the big dog, you know, the big guy, yeah, the, the Dinobars, he, he ran out in the field, he like sprinted out to me, he's like hoki I want to play with you long time and gave me a big hug. And I was like, yeah, and he's like, come to my office and got, got re-signed the next week. I was like, oh, I was like beauty. So I ended up doing another, yeah, got another season with the Boers. It was good. But, um, <laughs> what a yarn. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a special game, yeah. Mate, I
0: bet um, as a young a young Picton kid you never would have thought that you'd be playing over in japan playing professional footy eh? it must've been pretty crazy nah. never
1: did i think i'd never did i think i'd play this many professional games let alone japan let alone super rugby you know and um, yeah. i think that's what's been massive for me. my gratitude my gratitude towards like how far i've come and um just going to training with the boys every day i'm i'm just grateful you know um mm. It's it's massive, and every game I go into, you know, now I'm, I'm I guess I get confidence from it because, you know, I never thought I'd do this much, and everything now that, that comes from now on is just like an extra, you know. And um, I hopefully got a few more years in me. In me. I'd love to play 100 for the Tunnies, that's that's a big goal of mine, and um, maybe get over to America or something, but I think. Um, gratitude's a, a, a huge thing in my life now and um, yeah Mate I love that and you,
0: I can feel it I know that you can see it with like even hearing you talk about your whole career you're always you're always so grateful for every opportunity you've got and people that you've met and where rugby's taken you it's uh, pretty cool to hear and you also mentioned that um, Northland uh, your dream's to sort of play hundred games for them what are you on now and is that how long are you signed up there
1: or um, yeah no, um. I'm on about 70, I think, or something like that. 69, 70. Um, but if I keep getting these read cards, it could be a long road. <laughs> 10 years away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now nah, I'm only signed for this year, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I've been pretty happy with my form of, of recent. We've kind of, we've got Rivs, a young, a young 10 who's been, he's been starting the games and he's, he's a wicked player. And, um, he's been doing really well, but I've just been kind of been playing a role on the last 30 coming off of the bench and, um, somewhat yeah, closing the games out or whatever needs to be done. I've actually, um, I've quite relished that role at the moment in the helping ribs as well. Anything he needs, um, I'm there for, and, um, I think that's been a, another thing, you know, and, um, in my career is, um, as I said earlier, just reading those situations, you know, uh, just knowing like, i'm a thir- I'm in my thirties now that maybe I've got to play a backup role every now and then and just just relishing it and mm. hopefully from that you know I can keep going, you know I can still start games and whatnot, and mm. those times will come, but if if the Tunnies need me to back up or whatever I- i'm you know I'm willing to do it but uh yeah I'm happy with everything that's happened apart from this red card so far um, <laughs> so hopefully very i can. Come come back and keep going the way I was going and, uh, yeah, see what happens from there.
0: Mate, you're such a lad. But one thing we haven't discussed, you've mentioned it a few times, is your um, goal-kicking technique. It's, it is a very unusual goal-kicking technique. I'm sure you've had many a kicking coach try and um, change your techers, But, mate, you you still hit them from everywhere. Kick it, I don't know, probably around 90%. You're on fire every year.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's um something I wasn't always good at. Actually I, I went over to overseas for a little bit in Ireland and I kinda it's a long story, but I got stuck out in the middle of nowhere, kinda in a house and I they didn't get the I was at a club playing footy and they didn't get me a car or nothing, so I ended up stuck in this house but there was a rugby field next door and um I spent pretty much, you know, most days down there just continuously kicking and even when I was at school and picked them, to be honest, I was just—I'd always be kicking, you know. It was something I enjoyed. A lot. Sometimes I just chuck the headphones in, and just go for a kick, you know. It's something uh, it was quite um, therapeutic. And, um, anyways, I just just messed around with my style and stuff, and started started feeling that what was best for me was just taking out the run-up, pretty much. Like, I think the less run-up, the less margin for error, and. Um, yeah my my kicking tee I actually made myself as well to this day yeah. it's the same tee I constructed it myself and um yeah I, I think I'll frame that one day I, I love that <laughs> tee um, yeah it's handmade tailor made we'll say um <laughs> but yeah um as far as kicking coaches telling me what to do they they, they didn't really touch me yeah like um I think they were just like that's that messed up I can't even change it <laughs> um <laughs> It's hard, though, because young, sometimes young fellas or some people come up to me and want to, like, uh, like, kind of for me to teach them how to place kick. Yeah. There's just no way, you know, it'd be wrong for me to try to teach them to kick like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be right. It'd be an atrocity. And um, it's just one of those things. I think I repeated a bad technique so much that I learned how to make it good. And Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably been something that's really helped me out from my career, you know, making a few of those clutch kicks and – you know, team can rely on the boot. It's good.
0: Hundred percent, mate. You've always come up clutch. How many teas have you got? What happens if you lose your tailor-made tea?
1: Oh, I, I dread. It's a fear of mine, to be honest, Jimmy. There's is 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 no choice. replacement. You've only got yeah. one. Oh, yeah, I've, wow. I've only got the one, and I don't think another one can be made. To be honest, um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm real like um, real edgy about my TA, Like even right. with the T boys, like you know, for all the teams I've been in. You know, I'm like, I kind of demand that it's back in my bag after the game, and um, yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing I demand. You know, and yeah. um, they make sure they put it back in there for me. So when I get back in the change room, it's always back there. They know how I, how I am with that tears. So it's like like another baby. Right, <laughs> <game.
0: laughs> I know how to sabotage you when you come down here. But so. I was
1: just thinking <laughs> that. Eh? I was just thinking that
0: running oh, the water.
1: <laughs> Who's got <yeah>. my tears? <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that.
0: <laughs> oh, I would never do that. I'd never. Yeah, do that. I know you oh, wouldn't,
1: Jim. I know you wouldn't. It's just the other fellas listening to it. <laughs> yeah, true.
0: <laughs> but what a yarn, mate! And as always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions and come up with plenty. A couple of your taniwha, um mates have come up trumps here, by the looks of it. So we'll try and fly through these <laughs> questions. Of course. The most common one yeah. was around. Who is the puffer fish? So this is obviously a, quite a, quite a common yard.
1: Oh, oh this year, you know uh, I don't know if you fellas have got a WhatsApp group. Yeah, uh, you know a team WhatsApp. Yeah. Anyway, you know you can change your um you can change your name to a, like a an icon. like I think offer offer came into our team this year and like there was this hedgehog that was in the like he said some positive mes- message and it come from a hedgehog. And I was, like, looking at it, I was, like, who is this positive hedgehog, you know? (laughs) And um, next minute, I might be the puffer fish or I might not be, but this puffer fish started coming up on all the Whatsapps, and um, he was quite a positive bloke, and um, he brought a lot lot of energy. But now our tunny's Whatsapp's just full of icons. Like, um, we don't even know who's talking anymore. There's, like, a tooth. There's a sloth. (laughs) <laughs> there's a turtle. I think there's that little shit emoji. We don't even know who we are, like, who we're talking to anymore, you know. So, yeah, that, and then, but apparently the pufferfish thing, like, um, all the staff got talking about it, and it was, like, ruining their staff dinners and shit. They couldn't figure out who the pufferfish was. <laughs> He's pretty elusive, I'll tell you that. I'm not sure who he is, but,
0: yeah. Oh, right, that's good stuff. <laughs> the elusive pufferfish. Okay, next yeah. one. Ask him about his world-class tackle technique.
1: <laughs> oh, I think we just went through that. There isn't technique. Sometimes that's the problem, Jimmy. I'm about to go through my safety course on um, tackling, so <laughs> hopefully I figure some stuff out there. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's just when someone runs straight and it's, it's man on man, there's just something in me that just wants to, you know. Um, I don't know. I just don't want to get uh, punked on 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 TV. That's probably the thing. Oh, I want to do the punking, if, put it that way, and um, I might. I just throw the bones at them more or less, and um, yeah. yeah, either I get knocked out or they get knocked out or I get bunted, or yeah, it doesn't always work, and then, yeah, but any malice that does happen out of it, I don't <laughs> intend, and um, yeah, it's just something that happens. Is, I guess it's all part of being a warrior. Age, I mean, you know what it's like.
0: That's uh, not quite to your levels, but mate, you are. Yeah. It's not just on TV either. Like I've seen you play games of club <laughs> and stuff, and you are always throwing your body into it. Every collision,
1: yeah. Well, when when you got no pedigree, you know you got no pedigree from your parents. Athletically, you gotta um, you gotta throw yourself hard at them, you know. You've got to, you gotta, yeah. Um, these these legs are a disgrace, you know. It's just a hamstring of bones. So you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do. Oh mate, you've
0: done what you've got to do. what you got to do oh mate you have done what you have got to do you have done so well. And next one, this one sounds like a yarn. Actually, did you and Sam not actually share a bed in the same room for a whole season? Surely not.
1: <laughs> oh, it was a top and tail. <laughs> um, we did as I, we um, one season we ended up me Dan Pryor Cutter Pryor Matty Moulds and sock Sam Knock. We had um the Pryors own this little little shack kind of right on the beach. Uh, it's probably about twenty minutes out of Whangarei. Yeah, and we all ended up living moving there, but the problem was there was only two rooms. Oh, three rooms, and um, it was tiny, and, you know, me and Sock being the young fellas, we drew the short straw and um, had the top and tail. It was it was a close nine and ten combo, you know, half that ten combo. It's paid dividends over the years. Yeah, good pillow talk.
0: Right, that's loose. So the whole year you actually slept in the same bed? Yeah,
1: well, we didn't really have a choice there, eh, or we could sleep on the hard floor, but, yeah, um, yeah we, it was just a small little shack, like it. It was a bu- it was a beautiful place to live because we were right on the beach and mm-hmm. we'd go to training mm-hmm. and then we'd come back and go out in the boat or play golf or whatever. But um, I guess one of the sacrifices you make is um, the betting arrangements are a bit rougher <laughs> and me and sock had to make do it. And yeah, we are, you know, it's the 9 and 10 combo has paid dividends years later. So.
0: <laughs> were either of you in a relationship at the time?
1: he was he's been he's been with um, his girlfriend for a long time since since high school i think and um, how did she feel about it oh nah she, she just said as long as it's a gentleman uh, it's all right and <laughs> luckily, luckily enough it was a gentleman eh
0: <laughs> and and you pushed him onto the um couch in the lounge when you brought something back
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it was a long way to bring something back jimmy is 20 minutes out of town but um yeah it's downwritten rule there
0: (laughs) oh that's good stuff I thought that was made up but that's good Uh, okay next one talk to me about your famous kick Pookie Park from the sideline
1: yeah oh that was the first game this year Um, nah there's there's nothing really about it it was just one of those kicks you know we I guess it was a big game for us because after last season we um, needed to start on the right foot and the Naki had been going so well you know last year I don't even know if they lost the game so um, we went, uh, yeah, we went there, and um, yeah, we I think we scored a try with a couple of minutes to go, and it was eleven all or something. But um, no, it was just one of those kicks on the sideline. Like yeah, I don't know, you know, you just you know it's like Jimmy, you just back your back your years of practice and whatnot, and yeah, and work it over. The real the real thing was the boys getting the ball over the line. You know, I felt like I could do the rest. And yeah, we got the win, so it was good. Mate, right, you always
0: come up clutch. And you've you've had a few clutch kicks in your in your time too. A few on the eightieth minute. Um, needed to kick it to win. You've always come up Trumps.
1: Oh, I don't know about always. I've probably missed a few, but there's been a few like good ones that I always remember and cherish and people still yarn about and whatnot. But um yeah, you know, it's it's part of your job, I guess, and um mm you just got to back what you've been doing and your training, I guess.
0: Ice in his veins. Oh, Dan Hawkins. (laughs) Okay, next one. This is from our major sponsor, Swish. Shout out to Swish. If you could get a video shout out from any celebrity, who would
1: it be and why? Oh, any celebrity. Um, I don't know, probably someone like um, a a big-time boxer, maybe Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. Um, someone like that.
0: He's got that same aggression as you, eh, that um, KK saw.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know about that. But, yeah, probably something, something. Have you ever something, thought uh, about getting into boxing? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually um, did a bit of. Matt Maddich, one of the boys in the Tunnies, he, he's actually had a couple of fights in the MMA stuff. Oh, yeah. And I actually trained with him in the lead up to one of his fights. And, um, you yeah, know, I quite enjoyed it, but. Uh, Getting the punch in the face for free is no fun, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. But I do enjoy the art of um, of, of watching fights. And yeah, man, yeah.
0: no, I could see you. You're a bit like Dan Hooker to me. I reckon you'd you'd go real good in there.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know yeah. you. I hope my chin isn't pumice, as you'd say, Jimmy. I don't think it's a pumice <laughs> chin, but. Um.
0: That'd be stronger than Kate Pookies. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> there's yeah. pumice bones everywhere. That <laughs> yeah, was pumice bones. <laughs> I always remember that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Next one. Who's the biggest battler you've played with?
1: <laughs> Ooh, man, there's been many. <laughs> it's hard to narrow them down. Um,. I would have to say, probably one of my Waito'i teammates, Bradley Hyde. He, um, yeah, he was a he was a true battler to the sense of it, and um, he had a hell of a lot of ticker, that's for sure. And, and he had the haircut to boot. But yeah, it's hard to even explain how much a, a good battler he was to you, Jimmy. To be honest, I can't do it justice.
0: Mate, I do love a good battler, It's something I mean, people often refer to you, or you even refer to yourself as the great white battler. Um, take good pride in being a white battler, don't you? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you've you got to know what you are, and, <laughs> and that's what I am. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to try and be someone I'm not. <laughs>
0: I'm in the same club for sure. Okay, next one. <laughs> I don't know,
1: Jimmy. You've got a bit more pedigree
0: than myself, I reckon. Hardly. Okay, last question. Best piece of advice you have for a woodland listener? always love finishing on a piece of wisdom and, who better than Dan Hawkins?
1: <laughs> yeah, as I said, but footy wise and stuff for me, it was a big part of it's being grateful for what for what's happened and what you got and um, like because like even in pro footy, like the days, the training days, some boys say, oh, it's a long, you know, it's a long day and whatnot. But I, I don't really see it like that. You know, I actually love being there and um, and it's a. It, it's not really a long day to me, you know, so I'm just great. Yeah, just grateful in that regard. But also, as I said, I think for a lot of young guys that would kind of be in similar shoes to me, maybe didn't go through like the under 20 program, New Zealand mm. stuff, they're trying to go the, the lower route. Um, just knowing like when, as I said, reading, reading what's happening in your career, like and there, there might be times you've got to move on. There might be times where you've got to put your head down and go harder. Um, I think reading the business side of it as well and just knowing when to get in and when to get out, when to go hard, it's pretty big. But, um, yeah, just love what you do, I reckon.
0: Mate, love that. What a way to finish an unbelievable podcast. Oh, Dan Hawkins, mate, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. I mean, I remember you coming into Tasman as a young 18-year-old lad. Such good value, always keen to learn, always keen to do What's best for the team? That's a few of the things I remember. I had no idea you were going through a massive court case at the time, but, mate, it's been awesome following your journey over the last 12 years, taking you all around the world. Um, everyone's got a story of their time with Dan Hawkins. You're one of the true lads of the game here in New Zealand, so, mate, it's been awesome to catch up with you on the podcast.
1: Now, I appreciate it, Jimmy. Um, you're one of the true lads yourself, bro, and I um, appreciate it. Even in my time at Tassie, bro, you're always good to me and, definitely looked after me and um congratulations on w- what you've done after your career bro to be honest it's it's quite inspiring in itself and um with your podcast and uh and your new gig at the crusaders um good to see the lads that you play with kick on and do well bro you know it's a beautiful thing so um thanks for having me on jimmy it's been a privilege bro and um wish you the best
0: mate you are one of the greatest lads love your work appreciate it mate see you jimmy thanks